0: Welcome to Hunting Influence, a podcast by Influence Hunter. We share stories from those that have it and those that leverage it to help you develop what we believe could be the most important skill in business right now, influence. I'm your host, Aaron Kosnitz. Hi, I'm here today with serial entrepreneur, Alex Valley. Alex is only 25 and has started not one, but two different CBD companies. And his current company, Unity Wellness Co., just raised over a million dollars and is already in almost a thousand stores. Unity's main product is their health elixir beverage, made from four different super nutrients and featuring five different flavors. They also came out with two different protein bars, and Alex is constantly dreaming up new SKUs. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Aaron, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so we've known each other for a few years now. I was kind of behind the scenes uh taste testing uh when your first CBd beverage come out but I'd love uh to kind of dive deeper into you first and and really about your stories so uh, I know that you know you're kind of a serial entrepreneur always starting new things can you take me back to kind of how that started how did you start on your entrepreneurial journey and what were some business some of your first businesses you you started
1: sure uh yeah to touch on I guess first what you said you were we we're trying to get you as the one of the first hires and uh, you know, Influence Hunter just took off so much that we couldn't quite close the deal, but you've seen it all. So it's kind of crazy to be here and uh, you know show you the transition from uh, starting with an idea and, and terrible branding and, and <laughs> you know working on our flavors to here. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of been a crazy story for me. I didn't expect to be in CPG. Uh, I grew up in in small town, North Dakota, a town called Hazen. You know my graduating class was 32 people the, the size of the town was like 2,000, 2500 so really really small town um and uh, i started a car dealership there first when i was 14 with the help of my parents that kind of gave me the love for entrepreneurship and to be honest i can't really look to one specific person i think you know i can it, retroactively look back and say okay like my stepdad you know liked to uh, always start new businesses so it was cool to have his perspective my mom always believed in me, and was like, "I don't care what you do, as long as you're happy." So I never felt like I was, you know, had to do something specific. Uh, and my dad was always just a really hardworking guy, so I, I, you know, I could do that. I could go work for 12 hours and not really, uh, you know, like complain about it. And that was kind of, I guess, my grandparents too. So um, had a lot of great supporting people around me. Um, you know, after having that car dealership, I, I sold it when I went to college uh when i was 17 and then uh in college at ndsu in north dakota uh i started a fiber optic communications based business so uh ran that for for a year and a half and again all of these businesses that i've started i just kind of had a you know a rough interest in but really no experience and i think anyone that you know wants to be an entrepreneur just kind of dive in um you know you learn a lot a lot along the way and kind of do your due diligence but um, you know, you don't have to be an expert in a specific thing. And if you wait until you're an expert, you know, a lot of times the opportunity has gone by the wayside. So yeah, ran that fiber optic communications based business, sold it. And then that was kind of the way I got out of North Dakota.
0: So did you know right away when you were doing this car dealership and you had started your company? So you were in high school, you were in uh, freshman year of high school then? when you started this, did you know right away that entrepreneurship was for you or was it a grind? And did someone teach you along the way, kind of some, some ways to be successful?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, I had no idea. I don't think anybody (laughs) does. I think, uh, you know, I was young and really liked cars and I wanted to have cool cars all the time. So, you know, it started actually me just, you know, kind of wanting to upgrade my personal car and, and uh flip the car that I had previously for a profit so that I could have that nicer car. Uh you know, I didn't grow up wealthy, so it wasn't like I could just have my parents buy me something or, you know, have saved enough money to buy whatever I wanted. Um so I'd, you know, have something set in my sights and then the only way to get it was to kind of trade up or flip cars until I got there. Um I just realized I was really good at at selling and you know it's just having a conversation with somebody. And, uh, you know, I was passionate about, about vehicles. And so ultimately just kind of kept that progression until selling and, you know, the same things happened with all of my businesses so far, it's just having conversations with people has been a strong suit.
0: So car dealership business in high school, fiber optic communication business in college, uh, you sold that in order to get out of North Dakota, uh, take me through what the journey looked like. Um, after that, once so you sell your business out of college and you realize you want to leave where you're from, um, what yeah. happens next?
1: So actually, I didn't really know where I wanted to be uh, or how I was going to get there. I just knew that um, you know I I wanted to be out of North Dakota. I wanted something bigger. Uh, so when I sold my business, I was just kind of in a limbo for a few months, and it, you know, it really sucked. Actually, I, I I had no idea what's next after you go from a car dealership to a fiber optics company what's the natural natural progression from there you know it's uh it's not very black and white and it definitely doesn't lead to cpg um but i actually yeah got reached out to by someone in the entertainment space in miami and said hey um you know come down here we, we think we have an opportunity for you so i did and um you know that was the first thing to get me out of uh, north dakota it ended up being a uh, modeling job for Barney's New York, which, you know, the department store, um, with, with a pretty big time photographer and like, you know, some supermodels like Christy Brinkley and Brooke Shields. And, uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience. You got a taste of, you know, getting pampered and what that life was like. And, uh, you know, I just decided that I was going to pursue that for a little bit while I figured out what business I wanted to start next.
0: And how long did that take you before wanting, before figuring out when you wanted to start your next
1: business? It probably took me a year, Um, a year. I I lived in Miami for like six weeks. That's a fun place to be if you want to have a good time, but it's really hard to get working there. Um, Then I moved to New York, um, the Big Apple for for like five months. uh, I'd I'd never really even been out out of North Dakota, much less going to one of the biggest cities in the world. So it was a culture shock. So, I mean, just like learning how to be a human in New York, and not feel like a rat. It took a lot of time. And then from there, I uh, realized that I wanted to be warm. So I, I moved to LA and shortly thereafter that I uh, saw CBD actually in Erwan for the first time. Uh saw it was buzzing. And, and this is like end of 2017 and thought, um, you know, after I tried it and saw that it actually worked, uh, there's a business here. There's not really a convenient way to take this right now. Um, you know, tinctures are fine. A lot of people are selling them and, and sometimes they work, but they're, you know, for me, I don't want to walk into a boardroom meeting and, and drop a tincture off. It doesn't look good. So I wanted something for me that was fast, cool, convenient, and I could bring into a boardroom meeting. Um, you know, and I guess touching on going into air one, I'm, I'm kind of a pessimist. So, uh, when they were like, Hey, here's the stuff that's going to help you with your anxiety. I was like, yeah, it's bullshit. It's not. <laughs> um, and, uh, when it did, I, I was like, there's really something here. I believe in this, getting it to the masses would be great. So why not champion that and see if it has legs and, you know, a few years later, I think it does.
0: <laughs> Do you remember that first product you tried at air one?
1: God, I think it was a tincture from Charlotte's web. Um, kind of one of the first, uh, they one of the first to start things off and yeah, it's, it seemed to work really well, but it was in this Amber bottle, you know, it doesn't really look great and they've changed their branding since then, but, had a very, you know, like outdated branding, no offense, Charlotte's web, and, um, just wasn't, you know, a mainstream product yet. Um, th- there wasn't anything in the CD category that like was in, in late 2017.
0: Yeah. But it was then that you kind of were like, this is a really cool concept and, and no one's doing it properly. Um, yeah. so then how did you come up with the idea behind unity wellness? And when did you know that for sure this was your next, uh, business venture that you were going to start? Yeah, you
1: know, it's funny. I, i just kind of fell into it like i said i um you know i I knew cbd worked for me i knew that i wanted more people to know about it i you know i talked to my friends and family and they would think that it was uh marijuana you know they think that it gets you high it doesn't and it's hemp um i guess it can be both but ours is derived from hemp uh so it's legal you know under the farm bill to sell in all 50 states so yeah so there's a so there's an opportunity to kind of bring it to everyone else and you know if it works for them even half as well as it worked for me uh, people would really like it and uh, so I did just that started with you know just a couple of products just to see if it made sense and uh yeah here we are today five beverages two protein bars like you said some different powders for B2B and other things and you know we're we're coming out with new variations of the SKUs that I mentioned, but also some new and ex- exciting SKUs uh, within the, within the next year.
0: So tell me about the start of the brand. What was that like? I know you launched uh, really over the middle of the pandemic, which has to be hard. So tell me about what that launch was like and and what did you do right away to try and, try and grow your brand?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we, uh, as you remember, when you were first uh, talking, when you were at USC and late 2019, you know, we did a little test run in, in 2019 for, for two months, uh, just kind of prove concepts, small run of product, see what we were good at, what we weren't good at learned a lot along the way. The LA market, you know, was pretty COVID a great place, you know, uh, as a testing ground for new brands. And just, you learn people are willing to take a new product and, and quite frankly, tell you what they think, um, you know, as brash as that might be. So, that was great for us, you know, two months in, in 2019. And then we, you know, took that advice, reformulated some of our products, changed up the branding a little bit uh, and and relaunched in in March of 2020. So, you know, to be honest, uh, COVID is, is all we've known as a company. Uh, you know, we went from zero source then to, like you said, almost a thousand less than a year later. Um, now we have around t- 10 employees um, and, and really building really quickly. Um, just got that investment, like you said. So that kind of has helped fuel things, especially in the last month. Um, yeah, COVID has, has actually been as bad as it is to say, and it's hurt a lot of people, but it's, it's kind of been a net positive for us. Um, because that's all we've known. we have just had to grind throughout the whole way. And, you know, we're, I'm, I'm kind of like a cockroach. You, you have to really kill me to get me to stop all these setbacks, you know, that have been major catastrophes for a lot of our competitors have just been a way of life for us. And it's, you know, it's been great because I know it's only uphill from here.
0: So I think it's super rare what you just said um, in your space specifically. So COVID has been friendly to some businesses like tech businesses, but someone who's trying to get into retail stores, super, super hard. So why do you think that that's been a net positive for you guys, or, or at least you've turned it into a net positive? Is there anything in specific that makes you guys different than a lot of the other CPG, brands out there that are really struggling
1: yeah tenacity um (laughs) i think a lot of people were uh you know scared when when the rules of the game changed you know the uh, best place for a cbd beverage used to be you know uh, outside of like a santa monica office complex you know that has thousands of employees like a lunch spot there um you know aaron um let's even say something even more Simple, just like the people go to for for lunch, and they, they want to grab their lunch and grab their CBD beverage. That was kind of where everyone was was focused uh, on getting those kind of stores. And when COVID hit, you know, everyone started working from home, and those places either shut down, kind of closed their doors, or you know, the rules changed. Now it's becoming uh, people buy online, but more often than that, people go to grocery stores and, and get you know a few beverages at a time. Um, or even just one when they're getting groceries. Um, and we want to be that one. So we position ourselves to do that. Um, we were able to pivot our strategy really quickly from, you know, getting into lunch spots and in-store sampling as many days a week as they had led us to, um, you know, other things like getting a grocery, um, different, different promotions, having point of sale up, things like that. So we've been able to pivot quickly. I think, you know, our tenacity and, um, you know, not having a set idea of what the rules of the game were to start things off, it really helped us.
0: Interesting. So, so I consider you a great salesperson. I mean, you, you convinced me to love CBD and I'm a borderline CBD addict. Now I didn't know what it was before, before I met you. Um, And clearly, you know, that's proven to be true since you've gotten into a thousand stores over a really tough time within a year. So what are some sales tricks that you have? Like what makes you a successful salesperson or have you just always had it?
1: Man, I think just, uh, you know, having a passion for product, first of all. I mean, if you're selling something you don't like, it's going to show through. Um, and then second, knowing your product inside and out. Um, you know, that's great for any salesperson. I learned that when I was you know, selling cars. You have to know the pros, the cons, if there are any. Um, there aren't any for unity, of course. <laughs> uh, any of the, you know, things that people are going to say. So I guess one of the things people say is that it's expensive. Um, because it is expensive, but you know, it's expensive for a reason. It's, um, you know, a premium beverage. It has a lot of CBD generally more than any other beverages. It has ashwagandha, ginkgo biloba, rosea, so adaptogens, uh, and really premium ingredients. You know, we use glass over plastic or a can. We don't want anything leaching into what you're drinking. And, you know, we want to be premium in every way. So yes, we're expensive, uh, on purpose. You know, it costs a lot of money to make.
0: Makes sense. Um, and you have quite uh, an influence yourself. I know you've, you've, you're have you've you not as much of an influencer as you were maybe in the past, but have you been able to leverage that to help you in any way? Or, or beyond that, has any of your connections that you made from past business ventures helped you uh, grow your company?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here uh, where I am today if it wasn't for Instagram, really. Um, you know, I the modeling agency that I touched on in miami found me on instagram um and and furthermore you know that's how i got a lot of the connections that i have and hold dear to this day uh, a lot of my friends that are still influencers and kind of doing that full time which i'm not and that's kind of why i've fallen off the off the wagon famous leading right so i'm going downhill on instagram a lot of my friends are actually uh, you know booming um yeah, it was, it was essential for me to, to get things going and, you know, we're working with you guys, of course, Influence Hunter, um, to get more of the people that are, uh, on the upswing and, uh, you know, have influence. And then I have, I have friends in the space that have millions of followers, um, getting them to, you know, post for me just based on our relationship, um, on their story even has been, has been really great. Um, you know, everyone's on their phone all the time, especially in the pandemic. So, yeah, getting people influenced influence to post is is very important. Um, you know, Social media is, is still thriving. I personally think it's going to change. I think there's going to be an Instagram slash TikTok competitor coming up in the next year. I, I don't know what that looks like or how it manifests itself. Um, I don't know if Facebook will buy them and just integrate it into their existing services like they did Instagram. But I think there has to be something geared towards people like us Let's call it, you know, mid to late twenties, early thirties that are, you know, early in their careers and and looking for some more aspirational people to follow. I podcast kind of fills that that void for me. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, but Instagram is, you know, a place to just go look at beauty, beautiful people, beautiful, likable cars, beautiful landscapes, whatever you find, um, you know. On there, and there's other elements to it too. But I think there, there's a need for something that's more business focused. I don't know how that manifests itself, but I hope that there's something more uh, like that in the future.
0: What is what does that platform look like to you, hypothetically speaking?
1: It's tough, man. I mean, podcasts are are great. I listen to a lot of pods, like you said. So I, I like that when I'm walking my dog or, or doing something um, kind of mundane, like washing the dishes. I'll, I'll always throw on a podcast. Um, if there was something that, you know, added another engagement portal, because podcasts seem very, uh, one-dimensional meaning like, you know, I listen to pods, but usually those people that run the pods don't know that I'm listening Mm -hmm. and there's no way for me to really actively engage with them unless I go onto Instagram or I go onto, you know, their YouTube channel or send them an email, but there's no integrated way for me to just respond. Like Instagram, you know, you have that instant gratification where if you, see something, even if it's a clip from a a podcast, you can then comment on it. Um, but there's no like specific medium and that's probably getting like, I I don't know how that exactly manifest itself, but I feel like I'm not alone. And maybe you'll relate to this when I say, uh, you know, Instagram has been lacking for me for a little bit and there needs to be personally, you know, it's great for brands, but there needs to be personally something else to kind of step into that place which will be an awesome opportunity for, you know, influence business owners like more of a Elon Musk or maybe even smaller like a Tim Ferriss, um, you know, talking about a brand uh, on a centralized platform would be huge for any brand.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're correct there. And I mean, they just introduced reels, not just but a little bit ago, but I I don't think that does a whole lot for kind of our segment and the, the business sector. I think you're right that there's a lot of room to improve there. Maybe, maybe, uh, after you sell unity, that's where you, you can work on something along <laughs> those lines. Maybe go on
1: tech. Yeah. Natural yeah. progression of like,
0: <laughs> Card how dealership. the hell
1: did he get to this one? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe this will the age really poorly and I'll be, I'll be wrong in a year, but maybe not. <laughs> we'll have to listen and recap in a year from now.
0: Exactly. We'll see. I'll, I can, we can say you called it or we can say Instagram's <laughs> still on top. Um, yeah. cool. well, I want to, I want to get back to, to your business. Uh, obviously, you've done a really good job in a tough time, but I'm sure there were mistakes along the way that you made. Um, so I'd kind of love to hear um, what mistakes you made in the process. What are some things you'd uh, do differently if you could do it over? And what were some failures slash obstacles that you had to overcome? It's, you know, it all looks good now, but I'm sure it didn't always seem that way every single day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's uh, It's never... As great as it looks on the top, <laughs> nor as uh, you know, bad as it looks when you're at the bottom, and you think there's no hope. Um, it's so many. And I mean, we've had different suppliers fall short, sell us you know bad products, whatever it might be. And being a small company, when you're kind of starting up, uh, you know, dealing with slash buying from some some big companies, they just kind of look at you and go, sorry, you, you know, you don't have money to pay yourself let alone get a legal team together tens of thousands of dollars to try to take you know a case against them to you know get ten thousand dollars (laughs) back so um you know there's been a lot of obstacles that um you know to a lot of businesses would have put them under um you know we bought a bunch of CBD from our, our first supplier that we used and the CBD, um, decided to be tasteless and, and have an odor. And the thing that we were buying before from them was tasteless and odorless. And they tried to put that on us. So we had to eat, you know, $12,000 of product, um, at a time when I was funding the business, uh, you know, and I, uh, you know, ended up just throwing a bunch more money in, but, um, that's tough when you're, when you're a new business, when you have hundreds of dollars in your bank account, not thousands. And get hit with something like that. Um, you know, we, um, had a skew that, that we're still working on that we, uh, had, you know, launched a test run for, um, you know, probably $20,000 into this skew and, um, all the caps came back rusty. So I oh couldn't use any of the product. Um, you know, and it's those times when you get the product, you're really excited. And then you open a box and you're like, Oh my God, it's done. <laughs> like I have to wait six more months till I get something new I have to figure out what happened with this. It just feels like, you know, there's really no hope. But uh, like I said, being like a cockroach in, in business, you know, taking, uh, you know, just having that grit to just keep going forward brick by brick, uh, you know, spin a good, spin a bad thing into a good thing. Uh, it, it, the resilience really is, is, you know, what sets, you know, most entrepreneurs that, that fail the statistics from the people that, that really end up succeeding.
0: Do you get refunded when something like that happens? When the when the product comes out, all really
1: no. Well, it's a, then it becomes a you know uh, a conversation between the the different parties that you think messed it up because in that situation you have a, a co-packer, you have Unity, and then you have a cap supplier, and everyone kind of points fingers and said like the Spider-Man meme. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone pointing at each other. Uh, you know, everyone claims that they are not at fault because of these certain reasons. And it just kind of goes in a circle until ultimately it falls on a new brand. And the only thing you can do, like I said, is you know, kind of take legal action and try to prove it. But when you have hundreds of dollars in the bank, you really can't get a lawyer either. So yeah, yeah it makes things tough. Well,
0: would you say that's the, the biggest struggle here is really finding uh, a supplier that you guys trust and and know will do a good job each time?
1: I think it's the yes, and I think it's the learning. Um, you know, this industry, it was new to me and, and my business partner, and um, we just kind of you know went into it um, guns blazing. And there's a lot of learnings along the way, some costly, some some free, but learning nonetheless. Um, yeah, I mean, picking suppliers, picking the people you work with is, is very important. You know, distributors can make or break your business. Suppliers can do the same. Um, you know, and, and keeping those, retaining those uh, you know relationships is of the utmost importance. So you know, we we realize really quickly that the CPG business is insanely relationship based. It seems like it's the 1950s where it's everything is a handshake and based on how much they like you as a person. Uh, and some companies don't realize that yet or don't do a good job of it. we've been able to capitalize on that. And that's one of the biggest uh, reasons that we're thriving so much is, uh, you know, we're just all genuine people. When we say something, we, we really are going to follow through and we mean it. I think you know that from talking to me so far. Um, you know, you've seen these obstacles. Mm-hmm. I've asked you about them, you know, behind the scenes, not on this podcast. Like, hey, man, what, what's going on? Like, what would, you, what would you do? And it's like, dude, I don't know. You guys have no money. Now you're $30,000 in debt. Is there a company here? Uh, And now to build it to the place that it is, 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 uh, you know, humbling and, and, uh, you know, I'm proud of what we've built.
0: Yeah, I mean, you really risked it all on this company. So I admire how you you went in full force, full throttle and and have been able to survive, which is the toughest part, I think, about starting starting any business. So what do you envision for the future of Unity? Walk me through one year three year five year and even maybe a 10 year plan if if you if you want to last that long
1: oh uh that's a very good question i mean um i think it all hinges on the you know current legal state because right now you know everyone's selling under the farm bill uh that they passed in 2014 and then kind of uh, reinstated in 2018 try to clarify some points that didn't really do much for anyone um if if legality changes and makes CBD definitively legal, I think um, a lot of big players are going to get in the space, like Anheuser-Busch, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nestle, Molson Coors. Molson Coors actually is already in the space, and some other big players are dabbling, spending you know quite quite literally hundreds of millions of dollars on on R&D and, and testing in Canada, where you know, where the uh, playing ground is. Is not great for CBD, but at least there's a standard theme. Um, It's kind of like cigarettes here where you have to package like most of the packaging and say like health claims, things like that. So uh, it depends on when that legalization comes through, comes to fruition. I don't see it happening in the next year. So until, you know, for the next year, I'll say that, you know, keep building, hiring the right people in the right areas, getting new distributors and new stores that's definitely our focus. Just brick by brick, building the store count, the distributor count, and uh, getting that done. Um, you know, three years from now, I think uh, legalization will be clear, or at least there will be paths to it. At that time, you know, it would be interesting to speak to big companies and see if there's a way to partner or have an acquisition while still working for for Unity and kind of still building that mission. I don't know if it means you know Pepsi invests money into us and we get distribution nationally through them. That would be big. Or if that means, um, you know, like, you know, them taking the company because they think they can do things more efficiently. Uh, I don't know exactly how that manifests itself, but, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've said since the beginning that the, the, plan is kind of an acquisition and and to stay with the company and see it grow. But I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, uh, honest in that if Anheuser-Busch took my company, they could surely do things uh, more efficiently. They can make my product for you know, 50% of the cost that it costs me or more, um, they could make, you know, a hundred times the amount of product in a lot easier of a manner, you know, and they could distribute it to 5,000 stores tomorrow across the U S. So, um, I recognize that they could do things better and I love to partner with them and learn and kind of take that next step.
0: Obviously impossible to know, but, um, what would you say is your timeline for an acquisition? I mean, it's there's so much variables of unknown, like this legality, and um, you know when when the big companies will actually want to get in here. But but just you know, if you had to guess,
1: yeah, I think it hinges on you know that uh, you know definitive legality or illegality. If it goes that way, I think it's trending towards the legality. It's kind of everywhere now. Mm-hmm. So it'd be hard to stop. So it all changes on, on the timeline for the app. I mean, I think, uh, you know, new brand big brands are still are right now kind of, uh, exploring small brands like unity. Um, they've definitely, you know, I'm sure seen unity. I don't know if it's a year from now or, or three, but I can definitely say it's, it's less than five years before they start making big acquisitions. If I had to guess, I would, I would say probably, Uh, 12 to 18 months from now uh, some big brands will be you know making more meaningful investments in the space
0: got it and if if you guys were acquired say by pepsico um would you want to stay on in some capacity or would that be the end of your involvement in unity and you go on and start something bigger and better like the social media platform
1: yeah (laughs) yeah like a social media platform so Hmm. influence hunter can work with us uh i think it depends it's it's usually binary um meaning it, you know, when a company acquires another company, it's usually the CEO. We want the CEO to stay on and kind of keep things humming along and, and, you know, work on those next steps, or we want to restructure the management team because, you know, we think we can do things more efficiently. We don't like the culture. We want to shake up the culture. We want to match ours. So I don't know. It's, it's honestly, uh, in the hands of, uh, the acquirer, so to speak, um, right? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to stay on with Unity, but I wouldn't be upset if they said, uh, "Alex, we we uh, you know want to hire someone else with forty years of experience because you're twenty five and you've done a lot, but this is over your head now." That'd be fine.
0: But your preference would be to to build this into a billion dollar company with with PepsiCo.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe by that time it will be
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. And any any specific goals you have for? For just this year in terms of, you know, if we if I talk to you on this podcast next year, what will have made 2021 successful for Unity?
1: Yeah, good question. I think um, getting into more key areas. So, you know, we have a lot of those, you know, tier one and tier two cities. I like to call them like the L.A., San Francisco, New York are usually like tier one, tier two um, you know in terms of influence actually is how i rate them mm-hmm. tier two would be like chicago austin dallas miami Fort lauderdale nashville um seattle portland so we have all of those but working on you know like the tier three cities that you know are uh, next up maybe like minneapolis uh, expanding in new york across more of the boroughs and just kind of going deeper into new york um you know, going into some states in the Northeast. So focused on getting some other key cities, you know, like Raleigh, North Carolina, um, places that that really we just haven't had the bandwidth to focus on yet. Um, building our brand out there, getting distribution across the U.S., you know, more locked in, working on operational efficiency and, and hiring the right people to continue the, the growth. Because, uh, you know, for me, it becomes a lot. Um, and that's one thing I've been bad at and just started doing is delegating because I haven't had the opportunity to do it, uh, until as of, you know, probably two or three weeks ago, really, um, to start being like, okay, I don't need to work 12 hour days anymore. Um, maybe I can work a 10 hour day and and pass some of these things (laughs) off, uh, do that Monday through Monday. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess focus on continuing growth. Um, we have a pretty high growth rate right now, so if we can maintain that, that would be, that would be meaningful and, and making me happy.
0: And any specific store goal numbers that you want to, you want to throw out there?
1: Um, I mean, let's break, a uh, thousand. I mean, maybe this time next year it might even be 2000. We'll see. Um, I think instead of maybe a store number, I'll give you one better, like big store. So it, You know, we have a lot of independent stores, so one of one, and it's hard to manage them because generally they, um, you know, maybe they uh, aren't great with email or maybe they aren't great with phone conversations or maybe the buyer isn't in the store. So it's hard to actually get in contact with a lot of those stores. Um, But it's easier to get into like a Wegmans, if you're familiar with Wegmans, who carry CBD beverages and and have, you know, I think 100 plus locations. So focus more on um, some of those, let's call them anchor stores. And having those build our store counts, and then building around them, building a distributor around them, uh, and and some other you know secondary stores around those areas. And there are there are a few different um, stores like Wegmans. There's like Yes Way and some others that, that carry CBD beverages that are that are promising for us. And and we're working on getting some of those wins locked in. Would would be uh, the thing that I'd like to start seeing.
0: Got it. So getting these big bigger chains. I didn't actually realize that Wegmans. Did CBD yeah. yet? Um, yeah, because-
1: yeah. it's just it's fairly new. So getting stores like that that have a hundred locations easier to manage, easier to run promotions. It's just a whole different strategy, uh, and one that I'd like to you know explore further. I think it's just a you know you kind of almost have to have those first five hundred stores under your belt to learn operations to um, you know kind of set the tone, and and that's why uh, you know yeah that's why we haven't been in wagons yet because you know when they start buying you know they usually do it a year out yep. they probably didn't know who we were then but now that we have the ball rolling hopefully on their next uh you know and buying cycle we'll be in there
0: cool and um are there any of these other bigger chains that you think will start to sell cbd beverages soon so like Is Whole Foods going to do it? Is Target, Trader Joe's? You think? Yeah. Who's going to be
1: first, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I wish. I I hope, I should say. Um, If any of them started, it would be huge for us, especially like a Whole Foods. I mean, Whole Foods, CVS, Rite Aid, um, they all carry CBD topicals, um, you know, and they have it in the case. It's just they haven't started carrying CBD consumables yet, and that's been... trend for a lot of big distributors like UNFI, KE, uh, even regional like beer distributors. They're like, you know, this is a new category. I don't want to take this like risk, um, on a new product that we, you know, maybe could sell hundreds of thousands of dollars to risk our millions of dollars in alcohol sales that we have consistently going out. So that's been, you know, the biggest hesitation, uh, distribution wise and store wise. So you know, once that first big store, like a Whole Foods or similar takes us, the rest will kind of fall into place. So yeah, getting those wins is is really important.
0: Makes sense. And I remember you used to love in-store sampling yourself. Um, Pretty hard to do these days, I would imagine. Uh, Do you think even now that, you know, you have a ton of employees or in a ton of stores running a big company, do you think once the world gets back to normal, that's something you would still do every once in a while?
1: Uh, I mean, personally, or Unity as a company? Unity as a company.
0: Yeah, Unity as a company, or or you personally, both. Uh,
1: I don't know that – I mean, I would like to say that I would do it. Um, You know, I I love the humbling job like that, (laughs) and I still do everything or try to – you know, if I have someone do something, I want them to know that I've done it or I can do it. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to tell them to do something I don't want to do. So, yeah, I'd I'd happily go sample for, like, a Saturday, Sunday – afternoon sort of thing it was always really fun to do that in in LA and really get quick responses on you know what people like what people maybe don't like what the favorite products are you know and how different you know people are so for our beverages we have five different flavors there's five of us on the team that all have different you know opinions on which one our favorite is so and it's kind of crazy to see how varying the uh, opinions are but yeah as far as sampling i think it's you know, kind of what a lot of CPG companies have really built their businesses on. Um, it's just so easy to, you know, go in the beginning and, you know, make one beverage last for, let's say 14 people and, uh, you know, get them to try it. And then you, you know, kind of leave them with like your support would mean, mean the world to us, something like that. So they feel this kind of, you know, subtle obligation to go support this young startup brand. And usually, it would it would get a lot of liquid to lift so a lot of people trying it, and uh, you know they're more likely to buy it once they've tried it once they they taste that it's good, you know they see the value the reason the reason it's expensive and and why it's uh, worth every dollar.
0: Yeah, and I remember you were very hands on uh, when you were that young startup. You're still pretty young, but when you were just brand new, you were pretty hands on with everything. It sounds like you still like to uh, try things before you hire. Uh, now that you've gone from just you and Zach to having like a real business with, with real, lots of employees, what have you learned about yourself as a leader? And are there any, um, you know, leadership traits that you think are important for for building a company?
1: Yeah, it's hard to delegate, man. Uh, and <laughs> that's what I've learned. Uh, you know, like you said, I, I like to do everything first, but it's even harder for me to stop doing those things. Uh, you know, and that's probably the... Uh, you know, the trend because of where we were, because we were a cash poor startup, um, you know, for the past, you know, let's say nine months out of the last year, we were really a, a you know, cash poor startup doing everything ourselves. You, you know, I remember it started, we didn't have a distributor. So if a store wanted to place an order, me as the founder, I would drive over to their store and stock it on the shelves. Then I'd be back for the next day to sample products to people. And then I would. Go out and sell it, you know, on the back end trying to run the business and make sure everything is is uh chiming away. So um yeah, it's it's tough for me to delegate just because I have that mindset still. Um but in you know delegating it, I'd say, you know, for managers out there, I any mean, entrepreneurs, um, you know, I'm very hands-off. I think if I tell someone how I want something done, I give them very, you know, set like, here are the goals, hit those. And really the goal for unity is you can put easily one word, it's grow. Um, just keep growing. Keep getting more stores, better relationships, more SKUs on each shelf, higher sell-through, all that, you know, um, just keep growing. There's so much you can do. I'm very hands-off with all of my, my team. I'm like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll talk weekly, sometimes daily, but um, I'm never like the one that's emailing them like, hey, man, did you do this? Or, hey, can you you know make sure that you're on top of this? Uh, because you know people are, you know, they're all passionate about unity too. They really believe, and they all have their own way of working on things. So me stepping in and telling them exactly how to do something is just going to muck up the process, and it takes my eye off the ball, focused on, you know, having them follow through the store rather than you know some of the grand things that we're working on.
0: Makes sense. So kind of hire good people and then let them do what they're good at, as opposed to
1: precisely. Yeah, to yeah, exactly. Hire hire people that you really trust and and believe in and think they're perfect for a specific role and then let them do that fucking role. (laughs) You don't need to get in there and and try to tell them exactly everything, how to do in the day to day. Sure. You need to give them like, you know, KPIs and, and definitely speak to them monthly about what they're doing, uh, compared to what they've done compared to where you want to be, et cetera. But uh, you know, the more Bureaucracy and day to day, you know, management. There is the less people get excited to do what they're doing, and you know, the less it works.
0: Yeah, no, that that's all good. I mean, you 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 have to be careful. You have to toe the line between not knowing what's going on and also just not letting people do their job properly. Um, but yeah, I, I want to exactly yeah. So I want to move on uh, to a quick fire round. So gonna ask you these questions and try and maybe answer within a minute uh each question and not all necessarily going to be related to unity and cbd maybe some of the questions are um but yeah so i'll i'll start it off so do do you have any morning rituals that you do each day to kickstart your day
1: i do rituals are so important um I go to the gym every single weekday, um, usually on the weekends too. But every single weekday at 6 a.m., right when they open. Usually, they're just a few minutes before that, so it gets me out of bed at, at five. I usually read like a, um, I read something called The Morning Brew, which is an email. Um, I don't know them. if you. If yeah,
0: you, I know them. Too. You I read them. Yeah, I read yeah, them yeah, too.
1: They're, they're fantastic. So get up, read The Morning Brew. Uh, you know, brush my teeth, uh, get my gym clothes on. Eat a, eat a unity protein bar, take some pre-workout and I'm out the door, you know, at the gym and then i um, done with working out at like seven, seven 30, anywhere in there, depending on. And, uh, you know, have breakfast, shower, already be back home and it's 8 a.m. I'm ready to start the day. Start it right.
0: Feeling good by 8 a.m. after you got that, that unity protein bar. Um, Absolutely. Cool. And whose content is there anyone whose content you listen to watch slash read the most?
1: Yeah. Um, there's a podcast called the founder hour. I don't know if you've listened to them. Fantastic. Uh, two guys, Pat and posh run that been really, uh, bullish on that lately, reading, listening to all of their, um, podcasts and going back into like 2019 just to get more content. Um, yeah, I found them actually, one of my friends introduced them to potentially interview, uh, unity. And, um, funny enough, I, recognize the guy's last name because it's tanahan which is unusual and saw that you know one of the new label suppliers that we were um, potentially going to start working with um that was his company or he, cool. he works with it so very very small world but um because of that you know because we were talking about me being on there i wanted to go listen to their stuff and it was really great so i've just never really stopped um, also group chat if you um, have listened to group chat fantastic uh, you know really great dudes there drama on in the d and then um lastly um you know how i built this is is always great but because it's not, they haven't really gotten new episodes in there to date.
0: cool i gotta i gotta check check those ones out i know how i built this um yeah. next question what is your favorite purchase of a hundred dollars or less
1: oh um that's a tough one i have so many good purchases um I mean, the stand desk that you can't see that's in front of me um, has been, you know, in my life since I started Unity. It's funny thinking about, you know, the I – mean, it's probably more like the symbolism of what it represents to me than the actual functionality of being able to stand up at a desk. But um, it's kind of a constant reminder. It's, it's beat up and, and broken. It has, like, marks on it from moving so many times, but – it started at my first apartment in L.A. I got it as a gift from my girlfriend because I wanted one um, there. And we lived in probably four other spots throughout the process of, of you know having Unity and, and starting Unity. So it's been with me through all those different places. And they all kind of have some sort of meaning for me, you know, where we were at with Unity, all that jazz. But this thing is, has stayed with me for a long time. So uh, probably that. So I mean, hope it was under a hundred. I, I got got as a gift, <laughs> so I'm gonna guess it was. I'm guessing it was close to a hundred, but not over.
0: And it's been with you since the start, so it 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 got all the memories associated. with, with Unity. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, what's the best thing that happened to you in 2020? Could be personal or or for Unity.
1: Uh, probably. Um, well, I'll do both, personal and Unity. Um, so give me some more time, uh, Unity. Oh, okay. Probably raising, you know, that 1.25, um, you know, be for any founders out there, any entrepreneurs, it's really hard to raise capital. Um, it's it's tough. It's it's a whole skill um, in, a, in an art form. And no one tells you that, you know, how, how difficult it is, how many no's you'll get. The crazy thing about it is, is that it's a full-time job too, to raise capital. Yet, when you're running a business, you then instantly give yourself two full-time jobs that both are like requiring 80 hours a week. So man, it's, it's tough when you're doing that. So finally getting, you know, the yeses start to happen and, and actually having to say no to people or, you know, being able to raise the capital that you want. Actually we have only wanted the millions so raising a little over that was, um, very humbling to us. So as far as unity goes, it's just validating, man, when you're, when you're putting, you know, you know, draining your personal bank account to zero so that you can put, you know, another hundred thousand dollars in unity, it's, it's tough. You're like, man, I don't, you know, people are like, dude, rethink this. If this goes bust, you, you know, are, are left with nothing. What are you going to do? And me being like, I just believe in it. I have to do it. If not, I will always regret this. Um, you know, having someone validate that hard work that you've put in is really, really nice, really rewarding. So, you know, that, that money gives unity legs to really get to the next stage where it needs to be. So that's the best for unity. Personally, um, I bought a house, bought a house in Nashville. Um, so that, that has been great for me. Although, uh, this morning when it was 30 degrees and snowing, I was really regretting leaving California, uh, <laughs> big regret there, but, uh, no, it's been great. It's, it's nice to have a lot more space. Now I have, uh, you know, proper space, the stand up desk probably means so much because it was used on many uh, countertops in, you know, kind of studio apartment type places that, you know, Uh, it didn't have much space to start my whole business and now it's still with me when I have more space and a little bit more, uh, blessed, uh, to be able to afford a house, things like that. So, uh, kind of what it represents is always more meaningful than the actual item itself.
0: I know this is the quick fire round, but I just want to do a, a quick follow up question uh, onto what you said there. But how how many people do you think you talked to before you got that yes? I know it's it's a grind and I know you were doing this for a while and, and raised even more money than you thought you would. I thought you were originally trying to raise half a million, is that am I am I wrong about that or and then you yeah, just kept well going. One,
1: at one time we were like, Okay, we're getting so many no's. Maybe we just tried to raise half a million. Yeah. Uh you know, we we don't know what's going on. And um, then I realized the strategy was wrong. It was, you know, and everyone had, you know, strategy can be different for raising capital for everybody, but I was trying to go to, you know, quintessential venture capitalists and firms um, without having a million dollars of sales and say, Hey, you know, here's why you should believe in unity. Here's, here's what we've done. And we've, we've done some great things to date, you know, and this was also six months ago or, or so maybe even eight months ago, but it was, it wasn't enough for them. You know, we were, we had proved concept. Yes, but we didn't have, you know, a million dollars in sales. And that was kind of seemed to be the the barrier. It was like, Hey, reach out to us. We love you. We think, you know, you're going to do it. We we like the company, but reach out to us when you have a little bit more to show us. And, you know, if I reached out now, I think it'd be a very different conversation, but it was, it was two guys in a dream at that point, you know, and and a third beanie, uh, her coming on shortly thereafter. So, it, it really wasn't much to invest in. So I realized my strategy was wrong. I know this might go over a minute, just like all my answers have, but <laughs> uh, I'm trying to actually provide value. Uh, and I realized that um, instead of going to VCs, we should actually be looking at angel investors. The challenge with angels is you can't just go on LinkedIn and just like look at someone and say, hey, does this person look wealthy enough to have a <laughs> million dollars in their checking account? You know, it's tough. It's, it's hard to navigate. So I just started telling people that we were raising. I started... Um, reaching out to to people on linkedin and, and people in my network and um funny enough I, I met a guy who one of my good friends still to this day who now works for unity and uh, his his father-in-law um, happened to be looking at investing in in beverage companies um, and we fit the bill for exactly what he was looking for uh, so i'm really thankful for caleb uh, who basically just kind of uh, facilitated that deal and, and made everything happen, and you know him and his his now wife Mika. So Mika's dad was an investor. Um, you know they've been been huge assets for Unity. Um, so it, it's funny how everything works out. And it's it, funny enough when when you and I, Aaron, were talking about Unity, Caleb um, was living in L.A. and he was I'd go to the gym with him and we'd talk about you know having him work for Unity. Uh, and then he he moved to New York and ended up meeting his wife there. So he didn't end up working for me either, but it seems that the people that, that don't work for Unity still uh, <laughs> you know, then, yeah, ends up still in net positive. Like now you're here, you're thriving, and I'm able to be on this podcast you have. It's great. And Caleb's able to work for, for me now and uh, able to get us some more money.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Just knowing you, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that when you finally did get a deal that it was because of personal connections that you have. So that, that doesn't surprise me, but it's, it's, it's cool to hear that that's how, how it all. Yeah. And I want
1: to, I do want to say, it's not like, I, I grew very like lower middle class. It wasn't like I went to a great college or from a, from a great town. So a lot of people have those personal connections because they went to a college like USC, (laughs) you know, and I, not to point fingers, but uh, (laughs) it it seems like it's much easier to do it there and just reach out to the alumni that are very uh, notable, like the Caruso's or someone and asked for, you know, a few million dollars. They wouldn't bat an eye, but um, yeah, it was actually just talking to a friend of mine who himself, you know, kind of similar situation, never really had a ton of money, didn't go to the best college, but just happened to, um, you know, believe in it so much so that he he pitched it to someone in his network and kind of uh, all fell into into place.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're good at that though. Uh, in terms of building these personal connections and uh, you know moving on. I mean, you you got out of where you were from, a small city of two thousand, was able to build companies that you were able to sell there. So I think that's all kind of about personal connections and it's a skill yeah. you, you probably got at a pretty young age, but moving, moving back into the quick fire and we, we went out of it for, for one important question, but, uh, <laughs> uh, what, what are your goals for 2021 personally? So I know a little bit about the business, but do you have any personal goals for 2021?
1: Hmm. Um, man, I, uh, there's, there's a few of them. I don't know. Quick fire, you know, I want to be a, a better manager. I want to, um, you know, have a, a great team that I support. I know it's not necessarily, it's kind of treading the line between personal and professional, but right that's personally me yep. versus unity as, as a company. Um, you know, personally, I want to make more time for, for, friends because I've been on the trend, especially the past, let's call it, you know, year, um, that I, you know, work 12 hours a day, um, every day of the week, and uh, you know, I'm starting to get out of that now. Like, I took my first first weekend off, uh, like two weeks ago, and, and it was like, wow, just bizarre. And I really, I didn't work all that much this weekend, um, but it's nice to just kind of, um, you know, not have to work so hard, be able to delegate, hire great people around me, um, and I I want to be sure that I'm supporting those employees and, and taking time for for now my friends, since I haven't spoken to some people as much as I should in four years. Uh, you know, like you said, relationships are important to, to me, but to also to anyone. So um, supporting those
0: people—that's oh, a good—that's a good goal. Uh, next question: favorite CBD brand that isn't Unity. I know you're gonna have to shout out a competitor, but
1: uh, are, they, are there any other CBD brands? <laughs> good. There can only be one.
0: <laughs> How about this? Uh, I'll change it if you don't want to answer that. CPG brand then.
1: CPG, oh, that's a better one. Um, Man, there are a lot of great ones. Um, I think Poppy, P O P P I, fantastic beverage company. Um, They have great products. They have a prebiotic, I think, soda, if I'm not not wrong, prebiotic instead of probiotic. I I can't remember which one it is. Tastes great. It's like an apple cider vinegar based beverage. Um, But I wouldn't describe it to that, you know, unless unless you've tried it first, because it's more of like an effervescent. Uh, so sparkling like croix that happens to taste really great and it'd be great for you. You know, um, health, health focused beverage looks fantastic. They crushed in their branding. And it's funny. I actually have pictures of, uh, the old unity bottle. Now we're in a round bottle, more sophisticated before we are in a square bottle. And, um, poppy was originally called mothers and they used to be in a glass bottle and, and have quite frankly, bad branding. And I have a picture with, uh, unity, and poppy next to each other, even uh, mothers next to each other. It's funny to see where they were and now where both of us are. Uh, so I have to give a shout out to them because they, they do a great they do a great job.
0: Cool. I, I'll check them out. I am not familiar with them. Also, pre,
1: pre. I'll give you another one too. There's yeah. uh, it, uh rapid fire number two. Another <laughs> great product to to look at is is Moku jerky. They're plant based jerky. Um, plant based jerkies usually don't taste great. Uh, Moku's does, and it's mushroom based. The founding team is really cool. There, the guy from Hawaii, really rad guy. I met him at Air One, actually when, when we were both first starting. You know, didn't really know what was going on, and you know, to now have raised money and you know uh, have great products in the market, it's kind of cool to see their transition too.
0: I've actually heard of this mushroom-based jerky market. Like, there's a couple different companies here. Never tried yeah. it. Sounds super interesting. I wish, wish some of these companies would come to Canada uh, while I'm here. Yeah, but- we.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you gotta try Moku. Moku. I'm sure they ship. Maybe they ship
0: it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely check it out. Um, next question: Where do you see the influencer industry headed over the next few years? Um, you know, is it the potential new platform, or is something new going to happen on Instagram or TikTok? What What are your thoughts?
1: something has to right i mean like i touched on it it wasn't a speed round earlier i touched on it for yep. probably five minutes too long but um i think um you know there's a lot of reasons to to change you know um i think uh there's a lot of influence on facebook so facebook slash instagram uh on politics and on you know, divisiveness. I think that has to change. I don't know how that manifests itself. I also think, uh, you know, a lot of my peers are going away from Instagram, posting personally and following, um, personal or professionally in lieu of something else. And there's just kind of a disconnect between podcasts and like really fulfilling that itch fully. And again, I don't know how it manifests itself, but I wish there was something more of a a business tool <laughs> like you know, LinkedIn is kind of okay, but it's you know, no one goes there to uh, you know for entertainment. It's strictly business. Yep. So there should be something that that intertwines the two. It's business, um, but also entertaining. Um, if if someone can figure out how to do that, how to monetize that, um, I I would be there. I'd be a big fan.
0: Me too. I think you're right. LinkedIn's all all work and and Instagram's all play. it has got to be and podcast is good, but it's just one aspect of kind of a platform. So I think something yeah, that merges all.
1: I'm sure there's someone listening to this right now that's like, yeah, I agree, but I don't I don't know. You know, it's not as, as personal. I mean sure you can retroactively reach out to me on on Instagram, you know, or or email me or find me on LinkedIn, but um, you know, until then you can't actually have that conversation with me or open exactly. up that conversation.
0: Maybe, maybe that person listening will, will create this before either of us can. Uh, yeah,
1: so please create it or, or please uh, reach out to me and let me know if there is <laughs> something that satisfies that need, even if it's small.
0: Exactly. Last question. Um, what advice would you give to someone looking to build their own influence, uh, whether that's in the business or influencer world, since you've successfully been able to do both?
1: Yeah, pick your niche. It uh, you can't be everything to everybody i you know i recognize that some people don't get cbd so i haven't tried to you know uh, get them to carry unity you're going to get a lot of no's you know in anything you're doing so focusing on the things that are working the yeses is kind of how do you build that that sphere of influence that you can broadcast to the world so um you know i like what's a good analogy um I don't want to put anyone on the spot. I'm thinking of a few swimsuit models, but you know, the, the ladies that are swimwear models, they, they know what works and, and what doesn't. They're not trying to um, uh, sell things that, that don't work. They're, they're uh, uh, you know selling swimwear and, and posting sexier pictures, whereas Elon Musk has a different approach to Instagram. So finding your niche and then uh, building on that uh, whatever you want is is how to do it. Focus on the what's Focus on the three people that that like your stuff right away. Kind of what they have in common and build that right there.
0: Yeah, and and being authentic, like you were saying, like don't try. Elon Musk isn't Absolutely. posting bikini pictures and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. although the world would probably go crazy if he if he did because it'd be such a dichotomy and yeah. he, he's also the richest person in the world so <laughs> that would be bizarre
0: I think I think he could do whatever he wanted people would would oh, still yeah. would still be fans of his
1: yeah, awesome agreed on Joe Rogan and people freak out so I can't imagine a, a yeah sexy shot
0: exactly well I really appreciate your time today and thank you for so much for coming on the podcast and and being so honest about everything here um I think I think yeah. a lot of people, uh, can learn from your story. And I, I know it's only just starting uh, as you're 25. So we'll maybe have to get you back on here when, uh, you know, see, see what's happened over the next few years.
1: Well, thanks Aaron. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, exciting stuff to talk about. I know you've seen it firsthand. So, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where we are a year from now.
0: Yep. Definitely will. And that was hunting influence to find out more about influence hunter and how we source micro and nano influencers to exponentially grow the reach of your brand, visit influencehunter.com. And then make sure to search for Hunting Influence in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Influence Hunter, thanks for listening.